take a little trip with me and hopefully you can see how the hood, suburbs, and main street are all connected. Not respected, I mean, we network across the globe because it's a global market in case you didn't know. And since we all about information flow, let me be the first one to welcome you to Tech Zone with Paul Amadeus Lane. Let's talk tech because technology changing the game. It's all good in the hood. It's everywhere. Now let's get to the show because we live on air. Yeah. Hello and welcome to this edition of the Tech Zone. I am Paul Amadeus Lane. I am your czar of technology. Technology is everywhere and we are your conduit to talk to you about that. On our show today, we're going to be talking about television. We're going to be talking to some actors. You know, anything that has to do with technology, we're definitely going to talk about it. Are you a fantasy football player out there? Are you a part of a league? Well, my first guest is going to give us some great advice when it comes to that. Before we bring him on, I want to let everyone know again. Remember, you can always connect with me at paulamadeuslane.com. Uh, the show is heard and streamed on, on KMET, ABC News Radio, 1490, iTunes, iHeart, you name it. We got everything covered for you. Yes, we do. All right. We're going to start our show by talking about some fantasy football. Now, I want to give an FYI out there. If your relative or friend asks you to be a part of fantasy football and you've never done it before, do your research because they look at you as an easy out. That's all they're doing. And they're going to come to you with these crazy trades and make you do this and that because they think you don't know. Well, my next guest is going to talk to us about how you can draft some good players, some things that you want to watch out for, and an amazing app that they have that can help you win your league. All right, fantasy football. Let's do this. You got your draft kits ready? You ready to pick your first pick of the draft? Well, join me right now to help us navigate through all the dilemmas that we're going to have when we have our draft is senior writer over at rotowire.com rotowire magazine my man kevin payne what's going on kevin how are you i'm doing good what's going on nothing much my friend great to have you with me and and kevin before we start to talk about that app that's going to help us launch our drafts and everything if you have the number one pick this year who is your pick going to be it's going to be david johnson aaron Rodgers. Who are you going to pick? Or am I asking you this and your enemy is going to be like, okay, we're going to block him. <laughs> no, the guy I'm going to go ahead and take is going to be David Johnson for sure. Um, you're talking about a guy who's very dynamic. He's not holding out like Le'Veon Bell. He's not facing a suspension like Ezekiel Elliott. And there's so much depth at quarterback that basically what I've found myself doing is waiting on quarterback and really loading up at wide receiver and running back in those first few rounds. I'm going to go ahead and wait till round seven, eight, nine. Take a Marcus Mariota, take a Jameis Winston, or wait even longer and take somebody like Eli Manning, who I think could have a career year given the trio of wide receivers he's got. So number one for me is David Johnson. He just does so much. You can count him, pencil him in for well over 100 yards from scrimmage almost every game. You know, he's going to average a touchdown every game. He catches passes out of the backfield. I mean, we've seen Carson Palmer. The zip just isn't there on the ball anymore, so he does love to go ahead and check down 
to David Johnson a lot. So that's who I'm going to go with as my number one pick. And Kevin, when we look at like these these picks, like a running back, I remember I got David Johnson about two or three years ago, and he was a nobody. And I just picked him up, I think, like in the eight, eighth round. He ended up helping me win win the league that year. Do you see any sleepers out there that we can be looking at? Because let's face it, a few years ago, everyone thought Bishop Sankey was going to be that that sleeper, and now he's heard he's gone for the year. So who's that sleeper in the draft that you were kind of looking at? There's two different guys at running back that I found myself taking in the middle rounds. Not that they're great sleepers or real deep sleepers. Uh, the first guy is going to be Mike Gillisley. You look at the numbers that LeGarrette Blunt has left behind in New England. 299 carries. 18 touchdowns. Now, I don't think they're going to give Gillisley that, but you're also talking about a guy that Bill Belichick has already called the most versatile guy we have in that backfield. So he's going to catch more passes than LeGarrette Blunt did last season, which is going to help, obviously, in PPR format. So Mike Gillisley, just with all that that LeGarrette Blunt has left behind, somebody's got to pick that up. So I think it's going to be Gillisley. I mean, you look at that backfield, and they basically overhauled it in the offseason, uh, bringing in Gillisley and letting LeGarrette Blount walk. So he's the guy I would take a look at. The other guy I would take a look at who's rising up quickly on the draft boards is Dalvin Cook from the Minnesota Vikings. Very talented rookie. And, and um, right now, he's the main guy for them. Uh, they gave Latavius Murray a lot of money in the offseason. They signed him to a three-year deal for $15 million. But the fact of the matter is, He's not 100%, and Delvin Cook's the one that's been out there. As long as he shows that he can, he knows the playbook and can provide good pass protection in passing plays, I expect Delvin Cook to really be the guy that's going to go ahead and get the lion's share of carries there for the Vikings. And, and Kevin, we talk about fool's goal a lot when it comes to um, the draft. A lot of people want to get that quarterback you know, off the draft in that, in that first round. If there was a quarterback, that you would take in the first round? Because like, I'm like you. I wait to the sixth, seventh round to get a quarterback. But for those out there who just itching, they just itching to get that quarterback. Well, which quarterback would you recommend that they get in that first round? Uh, yeah, there's three guys. Actually, really two. If you, I'm kind of lumping in Drew Brees with these other two guys. First one's Aaron Rodgers. He's still in the prime of his career. That offense, they love to sling the ball around. So I, Aaron Rodgers, for me, is probably going to be number one. I think he's the safest guy. But that number two is going to be Mr. Tom Brady. I mean, yeah, he keeps getting up there in age, but he looks really, really good. And now he's got that new weapon in Brandon Cook. So they've given him another piece of the puzzle or another weapon that he can use in that passing attack. Rob Gronkowski should be back this season. He should be fully healthy. And while I said I do like Gillisley and I I have a lot of shares of him, we might just see New England throw the ball 40 or 50 times every game and just try to run the score up. Brady's still going to be playing with a chip on his shoulder, you know, after the suspension and everything. So uh, don't be surprised if he's the number one quarterback. But as I said, for me, Aaron Rodgers seems just a tad bit safer just considering their ages. And, Kevin, who do you think is going to be one of the draft bust this year? Somebody who had a pretty good year last year that's really going to tail down this year. Who would you say that would be? Um, I'm going to go back to another rookie, so a guy that wasn't even in the league last year I'm going to talk about, and that's Joe Mixon from Cincinnati. Uh, look, there's too many other factors. He's got two veterans to go ahead and compete with. Right now he's number three on the depth charts. And what I talked with um, Del about uh, Dalvin Cook a little bit a while ago is the fact that these rookies, they really need to be able to pass protect. They know, need to know the playbook. And I don't know that Mixon is there yet. So right now I I'm going to go ahead and say pump the brakes a little bit with Joe Mixon, who I've seen go as high as the second 
round. Um, he may not get third down uh, work either if Gio Bernard comes in. So you're talking about a guy that may only be playing a couple downs and lose the goal line carry. So for all the hype he's getting and to be a second, third, usually third round pick, for me, that's just way too high for an unproven rookie. Now let's talk about Old Faithful. It used to be Mr. Reliable. We're talking about touchdown Jesus himself, Adrian Peterson. What do you think he's going to do this year um, behind the line in New Orleans? Do you think that's going to help him, hurt him, or do you think him and Mark Ingram and uh, Hightower maybe sharing some of the, the load over there? Yeah, you know, it's going to be interesting. You know, Ingram's had some fumble issues in the past, and if that happens, then I think you see Adrian Peterson go ahead and take over. But right now, all indications in camp is that they're going to go ahead and split time. Now, that being said, Peterson's very interesting because he's never really played with an elite passing offense and elite quarterback. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think of somebody from Minnesota and nobody really comes to mind. So that's going to open up a lot of holes for him. The only thing I worry about with AP, and, and he's just as good of an Ironman as anybody in the NFL, but playing in that turf, playing in that dome, does that put a little stress and maybe the injury flags a little bit more red than it would be if he had stayed in Minnesota? I'm not sure, but I expect it to be a timeshare between him and Mark Ingram to start. But as I said, if Ingram goes ahead and resorts back to having those fumble issues, it might be AP's backfield. And we talked about Ezekiel Elliott. I can't tell you how many times in fantasy football that I've gotten somebody and stashed them, and they've won me my league later on um, you know, in the year when, when we had our playoff and everything. When would you take Zeke? Um, it's interesting. I've checked out some high-stakes league as soon as the suspension came down just to see where he was going. And in those leagues, he was still going late round. He did not fall out or late second round. He did not fall out of the second round, which is a little bit surprising. Now, there's a higher overall top prize for some of those high-stakes leagues, which means that you want to go ahead and draft as much upside as possible, and that guy could be your difference heading down the stretch. But I think for me, and I'm probably not going to get him, I'm thinking late third, early fourth. And here's my justification. Right now, you can go ahead and take him a little bit sooner because there's not as much risk. There's a good chance that this goes ahead and gets reduced to four games, maybe even less. Maybe it gets thrown out completely. Maybe the court case, it's, it, it, it's suspended until next year. You don't know that. But uh, if you go ahead and miss four or six games with your first-round pick, it is going to be tough to make the fantasy playoffs. I always tell people that this is very different than fantasy baseball, but fantasy football, you just want to make the playoffs. So if you have Ezekiel Elliott on your team in weeks 12, 13, 14, right before the playoffs, but you don't have a winning record, it doesn't matter anymore. So uh, for me, third or fourth round, but I don't think he's going to last for most uh, drafts outside of the second round. Now, is this the year that the Nuke Hopkins bounces back? you got a young quarterback that may be playing – what do you think his, his draft value is this year? Yeah, um, it looks like they're going to go with Tom Savage. So that's going to be the quarterback that's under center. Maybe we see Deshaun Watson take over after a few weeks. I think with Hopkins, he's just too talented. I think he will bounce back this season. They just got to throw the ball in this general area. They have been working together a lot in the offseason. And he's given Tom Savage a vote of confidence. He said, this is my quarterback. This is the guy I want the team to go with. So all that stuff kind of bodes well, I think. Um, I don't think it's just you know, coach speak or players speak in this uh, case. So I think that we go ahead and see DeAndre Hopkins bounce back. I just think he's too talented of a wide receiver. What's Odell going to do this year? What do you think? Oh, gosh, I've got him number one as far as wide receivers go, even ahead of Antonio Bryant. 
uh, or Antonio Brown, and it's really going ahead and splitting hairs right there. But I just, I don't, there's not a more exciting player to me in the NFL than Odell Beckham Jr. What I think is interesting, though, is I mentioned him earlier, is I think Eli could have a career year with Brandon Marshall when Sterling Shepard gets healthy, and they drafted a very talented tight end who's more of a wide receiver in Evan Ingram. So he's got all those weapons. So the question is this. Does Brandon Marshall get back to 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns and kind of hurt Odell's value? Or does the presence of Brandon Marshall keep the defense a little bit more honest and get Odell some one-on-one coverage every once in a while? But again, to me, all these crazy catches and things that we see on YouTube and Twitter, the guy's just amazing. So for me, he's the number one wide receiver on my draft board. Now, what is one team's players you're staying away from? No matter what, you know, there's just no value there. You know, the, the line sucks, the quarterback sucks, or the wide receiver sucks. Which team are you just staying away from the stars? Um, I'm going to go ahead and say the Jets. I'm not really happy with their running back situation. Matt Forte's a little bit over the hill. If there's one guy I am a little bit interested in, and you can get him very late, it's Robbie Anderson. Uh, Quincy Anunwa already went down. He was going to be, I think, their top guy. But now Robbie Anderson, who is really fast, ridiculously fast, runs faster than a 4-4-40. I think he's going to be the main guy there, and somebody's got to catch the ball. It may come in garbage time that he puts up his production, but, hey, it still counts in fantasy football. But I would say overall, I'm probably not going to go ahead and touch any of the New York Jets. And, Kevin, is there any player you're going to handcuff? Any player I'm going to handcuff? Um... Gosh, I guess right now you've got to take a look at Darren McFadden um, and just take a look at that situation because there is a good chance Ezekiel Elliott's suspension will be held up for the first few games. My only problem is if you look at their schedule, they're going up against four good run defense, or at least they were last year. So I am a little bit wary of that, but I think that's the one situation that if you take Ezekiel Elliott, you've got to be thinking about Darren McFadden in rounds 9, 10, 11, just given the fact that that offensive line is still going to be one of the best run-blocking units in the league that you or I could run behind and get four yards per carry they're really that good <laughs> that, that is so true and then kevin let's talk about uh drafts and, and when should you hold your draft because i think some guys hold the drafts too quick because players can get hurt when is the best time to hold your your fantasy draft I think it just depends on your preference. Now, the first big one I did was back at the beginning of July. We actually did it in Las Vegas, and it was good. because I like that because I kind of knew my stuff. I've been paying attention through, and then not to brag, but I've been done, done a lot of research. And if you do your research and go into these drafts knowing, okay, what's this guy's new team? What's his role? Who are these rookies that you can go ahead and draft? You can take advantage of that situation. I drafted um, – I drafted Delvin Cook, who I was talking about, for $18 with a $200 budget. So $100 budget, you're looking at $9 for Delvin Cook. He went in a draft the other night, same type of thing. He went for $25. So I was really happy with that. And things kind of broke the right way, too, with Latavius Murray being banged up. But um, I, So you could do that early, or you could do your drafts now. I mean, there's a lot of guys out there who lost uh, players to injury or whatnot. So if you know, do it later, then you go ahead and have that opportunity to know, okay, this guy's hurt, this guy's not hurt, and what roles are which. So um, I like doing them early, but I see it totally makes sense for people to go ahead and hold them now and over probably the next couple of weeks. And, Kevin, you guys are helping us out over at Rotowire when it comes to to drafting. You guys got a pretty cool app. And and before we talk about that app, before we had electronics and computers – how, how did how did you guys do drafts? <laughs> uh, you did a lot of pencil and paper, 
and, and racers. Uh, that was the way they used to do them. I was in a league that I joined it a few years in, but it was around forever. I mean, they literally would go to the box scores and add everything up from USA Today every Monday morning, go ahead and, and write down and do all the math and figure out who won. But yeah, in this day and age, it's, sometimes it's funny, especially the younger kids. You know, I wonder if they think, what did they used to do, you know, 20 years ago? Because fantasy was around them. That is so true. Well, now, since we're in the Internet of Things, you guys have created this awesome app. Please tell us about it. Oh, my God. The app is great. I believe it's the number one uh, sports app on iTunes right now. It's $4.99. It's a cup of coffee at Starbucks. So go ahead and you can download it. It's really simple to use. And the one thing I love about it is some drafts I have, I take a little bit more serious than others. And so what they have there is you can actually put all the players on everybody's team as you're doing the draft. The other thing you can do, though, is just click on a little button so it goes ahead and keeps track of all the guys that have already been taken. So you're not that guy who in the 15th and 16th round calls out a guy that got taken two or three rounds earlier. So it's very easy to use, very easy to set up for your league. You can go ahead and put the different, uh, you know, how many teams are in your league. You go ahead and completely customize it. Is it a two-quarterback league? Are you doing PPR or non-PPR? It's really simple to use, so I would check that out on iTunes. Uh, just Google the Rotowire football app. And Kevin, do you have a preference of PPR or non PPR or leagues? What do you what do you stand on on that debate? <laughs> I'm a chicken. I'm I'm going to stand in the middle of the fence and say I like point five PPR. I see the justification for it, but I also think that full point PPR is a little bit off because if a guy goes ahead and catches five passes for ten yards, he shouldn't get that many points. As many points as a running back who runs fifty five yards. So I'm in the middle of the road. As I said, I'll go ahead and play it safe and say. I like point five PPR the best. And Kevin, if you could change the scoring formula that we have in fantasy, what would you tweak? You know, you talked about that, but what else would you tweak? Well, one thing that I think is interesting now, when we do fantasy, we're pretending that we're the coach or the GM of our team. I think that one thing that would be interesting to throw into the mix is maybe a point for making a first down, because after all, that's what the goal of your team is, to move the ball and get those first downs. So I think that tweaking it would be interesting to try to see if how many, you know, when your guy, when your receiver catches a pass or your running back runs for a first down, go ahead and give them a point for that maybe rather than doing full point PPR. And, and Kevin, my, my wife, she she knows I'm a fantasy football player, and this is her take. She said, how come when a player gets hurt, just like in a real game, how come you cannot sub in a player? And I'm like, you know what, that does make sense, but I, I guess that would take kind of the – Kind of the, the mystique about fantasy football because, you know, uh, leagues are won and lost when somebody gets hurt like that during a game. Yeah, yeah. It would be interesting, though, because then you could have guys on your bench just fill in automatically. But I also think it goes back to what I said about when you're doing fantasy, it's the GM, the coach. If they lost their player, you should lose your player, too. I mean, that's the way the game goes sometimes. I, I can't emphasize enough what a brutal game it is. And, Injuries are inevitable, so um, it is an interesting idea, but as I said, it's like you're the coach of the GM, and you've lost that player for the game, so I think that's why it's uh, reflected that way in fantasy. So true, so true. And, and Kevin, I have, a, I have a good friend of mine. His name is Joe Papp, and Joe has kind of been in a dry spell. He's been in a slump with winning winning the fantasy league that, that I was a part of. Now, what, what kind of advice can you give him? Because we're getting ready to drum him out of the Jedi Order. So we, we, we need to help give him some advice on how he can win the league this year. 
Yeah, you just got to do research. I tell this to people all the time. I mean, you can pay for our site. There's other sites out there. Yahoo's a good one, ESPN. All those different companies have good sites. You just got to put in the time, and it's really going to reflect what type of team you're able to draft. The more you know, the more that gives you a leg up on your uh, competition. You just got to put them in the research and, and put in the time and find a writer or two that you like or trust or makes a lot of sense when they are going ahead and giving you picks that they like or picks that they don't like and seeing what their justification is, you know, too many times in fantasy, we see experts out there being too wishy-washy and going, well, I've got a gut feeling or I've got this and I've got that. When I started working at Rotowire, it was over a decade ago, they said to me, you can write whatever you want, but you have to back it up with facts and statistics that make sense. Go ahead and say, you know, uh, Mark McGuire is not going to hit 10 home runs this year, but tell me why. So that's what I would encourage somebody to do. Just go ahead, do your research and uh, find stuff that is factually and statistically based when you go ahead and decide whether or not you want a player. Awesome. You hear that, Joe? If you want to be back in the Jedi Order, this is what you have to do. And listen to an expert like my man Kevin Payne right here. Kevin, you are a fantasy guru, not only in football, but in, in, in other fantasy sports, too. It's been an honor talking to you, and thank you so much for sharing info about the app. Now, is there anything else you'd like to articulate out there to the to the viewers and the listeners before we let you go? Uh, no, just check us out at rotowire.com backslash trial, free 10-day trial. Um, I do stuff for FanDuel, so if you want to get into some of the daily stuff, I'll be writing a FanDuel football article every week. Right now I'm doing two baseball columns a week for that, and I'm also doing a waiver wire column. Pay attention to the waiver wire. Tell Joe Pat. Pay close attention to the waiver wire because leagues are often won or lost there. Uh, so go ahead and figure out how your league does it. If it's at last the first, is it free agent budgeting? That's my favorite. Uh, but pay attention to that waiver wire because it could win you your league this season. Well said, my friend. Spoken like a true guru, giving us all that good information. And, Kevin, it's been great uh, talking to you. You know what my dream is, is to be in a fantasy league with you and play against the best and see how I do. But thank you so much, my friend, for joining us. Look forward to catching up with you somewhere down the road. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on. That was the great Kevin Payne Sr., writer at rotowire.com and Rotowire. Magazine Joe, you know what I had to do there for you, my man? You've been on a dry spell, man. What's going on, man? You in a slump buster or something? <laughs> but no, definitely uh, check out the app. Grab the app. Uh, I tell you, uh, you know, I, I love fantasy football. And, and it, it's just, it, it's kind of changed the game for me. Because I used to be a diehard Philadelphia Eagles fan. Anyone who knows me know that I am. But when I started playing fantasy football, I started liking different players. So when those players played against the Eagles, I would have to root for them because I need my fantasy points. But I'd like to thank uh, Kevin Payne for joining me and talking about what their app is going to do for you and I. And, you know, just, just some advice out there so that we can win our league. All right. When we get back, we are going to be talking about a new sci-fi drama that was shot in Qatar. So you don't want to miss that coming up right after these message. Zone. I am Paul Amadeus Lane. Welcome back. You know, we like to talk about entertainment on Tech Zone. We like to talk about 
technology. We like to talk about digital health. When it comes to technology, we talk about everything. And we're so happy that you've decided to stay with us and support the show so much. Remember, you can always check out the, the video portion of the show if you're listening on ABC News. KMET right now is you can go to my, my YouTube channel, um, Paul Amadeus Lane. That's how you can connect with me and, and, and check it out and watch it. And I encourage you to do so because there's some things that happen on the video coverage that you really don't know because you're just listening. But definitely, please check it out. A few weeks back, we interviewed Academy Award nominee Eric Roberts about a new show that he's in called Madonna and also actor Roe Brooks. And they talked about what it was like to shoot this series in Qatar, 140 degrees, and the first ever science fiction drama shot in the Middle East. Well, we got an opportunity to talk to uh, some more of the great actors that are involved in this. Now, before we do that, let me give you a little brief rundown of what Medina is about. It happens when a rocket launch goes awry and a group of strangers stuck in a cave in the desert trying to survive while the corporation that launched the rocket attempts to figure out what's wrong. Now, let me give you a little disclaimer. It, Eric, when, it, when I talked to him, he said it kind of puts you in the mind of loss. So for all you lost fans out there, you know, expect a few twists and turns when it comes to Medina. Well, first up, the lovely Natasha Hinstridge. I was able to talk to this beautiful person about what it's like to play Selma and, you know, Natasha from Species. Uh, she's been uh, in a lot of great movies and, and shows out there. And it was an absolute honor to talk to Natasha about her character and what it's like to be in this series, Medina. All right, I'm here with the beautiful Natasha. How are you, my dear? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing much better standing next to you. Oh, stop. So let's talk about the new series, Medina. Yes. This is exciting. It actually debuted today here at Comic-Con. Yes. So what has been kind of the feedback you've gotten thus far? You know, it's funny. It debuted today at Comic-Con, and today was the first time I saw it as well. So I've not seen anything until the, until about 45 minutes ago as well. So far, the reaction from the debut walking over the convention center to here has been really positive, but that's literally all I've done is go from there to here. So, so I'm not really sure, but, um, you know, so far it, it looks great. It's intriguing. It's interesting. I think the pilot, although it's good, I think where it's going, where the show is going has so many, so many other layers. And I'm not sure, I, I'm not to be negative, but I'm not sure that in the pilot you're seeing the levels of, you know, this kind of alternate reality stuff that's going on and the sort of things that we encounter when we get into the Medina world, it opens up like, and it's a it's very layered show. Um, but so far, the, the reaction's been great. And I think once you get to know more of the characters, you know, right now there's so many characters. So once I think we narrow that down and we see, you know, we start following stories a little bit closer, I think it's going to be very interesting. Now, Natasha, let's talk about your character in particular. You know, for ones out there who didn't get a chance to see the pilot today, uh, give them a, a little um, a, l a little blurb about your character and what to expect. So I play Selma. Um, my character lost somebody very close to her um, and basically has some mental issues um, that 
maybe came about because of that, but also had some stuff going on before, gets a little bit into being medicated. And my psychiatrist was also my fiance, who I lost, his psychiatrist too. And we, uh, we end up basically getting married. He uses medication and stuff to sort of control me a little bit. And so we end up getting married, and uh, it's not the most... It's not the loveliest relationship in the world, so it's kind of a uh, it's a difficult relationship, and we're still trying to figure things out. And then, of course, when we get trapped in this, all of this stuff happens. It it, it takes lots of different turns, but but um, that's kind of where my character is at thus far. Ahmed, the creator, will know a lot more about it. He he he's like this. He just gives like this much information at a time. He's like he's like a need to know basis kind of guy. You know, he just holds back. He's holding back. Now, when we heard that it was shot in the Middle East in Qatar, mm-hmm. that's a little bit different from Hollywood. So, talk about the experience of, uh, of shooting this in, what, 120-degree oh, weather? That would be the downside. I mean, we truly worked in some really difficult conditions. I, I'm, I can't deny that. There's no, there's no hiding it. We were working out there... Sometimes, you know, they're doing drone shots over dunes and in, in deserts and stuff. And sometimes you're so far away from even shade or a trailer that we've got umbrellas. And then we've got these guys running with their umbrellas because we're literally in 130-degree weather. People are sometimes dropping off and fainting. And, you know, it's hard to even stay as hydrated as you want to be. It's, it's, a t- it's tough conditions. That part, not so nice. The really nice part, you're on the Persian Gulf. The water's beautiful and warm and buoyant and uh you know there's there's some beautiful things about the region as well very very pretty part of the world in some regards but when you get out that desert boy it's it's no joke <laughs> it's no joke you are earning your dollars and cents <laughs> those days and, you know talk about being uh, away from your family and the cast and the crew really becomes your family so so talk about the camaraderie that you had uh working all together being so far away you know i've done maybe 50 films and few TV shows and um, there have been a few times in my life where I've really really bonded with people and gotten very close to people this is one of them This, the, the people that are in this room today that have flown in from India, from, from the Middle East, from England, from you know just all over the world I mean, we have the most diverse cast we bonded so much. We all stayed in the same place, first of all. So that that in 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 and of itself, we were all very much out of our element. Other than the you know the local actors that that were working on the project, um, those kinds of things bond you in a very different way than if you're in L.A. filming a movie and going home to your family and going back to your own friends and you know that kind of thing. This one, I mean, we truly spent such a huge amount of time together when we weren't working. We helped each other do laundry. We hooked up for dinners. We did, I mean, it was. It was it, it, such a close-knit group, I can't even tell you. Actually, my favorite part and the most special thing about this project are the people that I've met, for sure. So, talk about all the characters you've played. What has been your favorite character so far? Ooh, wow. You know, I really like... I like comedy. I've done a little bit of comedy here and there, but I, I, I do... I like being in that place of light and spirited and, you know, that kind of thing. And, and I never get to do a lot of it because people don't know that I'm hysterical. I am. Um, 
<laughs> in a good way, right? <laughs> laughing, right? The whole time. Right, no, I'm kidding. Um, but uh, but I, I do, I really like that kind of thing. Um, I had a lot of fun with a very tongue-in-cheek TV show that I did called She Spies, and it's not the most deep role, and it's not the most dramatic role, but it was fun. It was just a good time. It was silly. It was, it was, it was, you know, we had a lot of stunts and a lot of fun things to do in it. Again, I became very close to those two girls that I worked with on that. Um, and there was just that tongue-in-cheek funny humor. The whole nine yards was a lot of fun. Again, I got to, you know, there was some dry humor in that. That was a lot of fun. Species changed my life, so I'm, I'm never, I'm not, I'm not going to be mad at that. Um, that was my first role, and it was. I'm just, getting kind of afraid of being right next to you right now because of that. Very scared. Watch out! If the tongue comes out, it's trouble. It's on. It is on. Okay, don't be hating, fellas. Don't be hating. Sean, I see you over there, as you see me stand next to the beautiful Natasha Henstrich, and I tell you, her personality is just so amazing, and we're looking forward to seeing her character or selma and i and i really appreciate how she opened up about how that debuted at comic-con and it was the first time that they were able to see everything too so it was kind of like a, a surprise to them to see um just the production at, at its finish so we're looking forward to when it airs and and also uh, definitely supporting the show met now check it out had an opportunity to talk to another actor international actor Himwan tavari Hemwan is, is is so funny. You're gonna check it out in this interview. And you can think back to the interview uh, with me and and, and Ro Brooks. Remember when uh, I was interviewing Ro and his lovely daughter Israel, and Hemwan came and said, "Hey Ro, I love you. This is my bed." And you're gonna see this just in in his interview too. And, and looking forward to seeing his character grow. Hemwan Tavati. Remember that name. He is definitely going to be a well-known actor. Here's my conversation with him, Juan. We have him, Juan. How you doing, my friend? I'm good, Paul. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. So talk about being a part of a brand new series that's the first ever sci-fi show that's done in the Middle East. Talk about that process. Okay. Great. First of all, uh, thank you, Ray. Thank you, Paul. Thank you for having me here. Uh, the process, yes, it was an amazing... Okay, uh, I am... I'm from India. I'm an actor from India. And I got this uh, project. I don't know how I got this project. Okay? But then I had given the command to the universe that uh, I would not like to do anything. Okay? And I was saying no to a couple of projects. And then somehow that guy up there, I don't know how this happened, but because I've asked Ahmad, the creator of this show, a couple of times, that, Ahmad, can you please tell me how did this happen? And he said, Paul, he said, I don't know. Even he doesn't know how, how I got selected for this. And, uh, but then I think it, is, uh, it was all uh, written for me. And uh, the process when I came here, when I... But then, yeah, I was, I was, I was, I was given uh, something to read. I was given something about my character and I really liked it. And, uh, and because it was a sci-fi series and everything, I really wanted to do it. And that's why I was there. So talk about your character. My character, Paul, uh, is... Uh, it's very similar to me, by the way, Ray. It's, uh, the character is like, you know, uh, like I am an uh, Indian guy and I'm from a very humble beginning and everything. So even I want to, you know, uh, uh, like work for my family, give them at the end of the day, provide them. Similarly, this character called Ravindra is a bus driver here in this uh, series and where he wants to earn money and then he wants to go back and do something for his family. Yes. Very, 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 very calm, very composed. Pretty chilled, right? 
Huh? Pretty chilled, right? Pretty chill, yes. Now, talk about shooting in Qatar. Hmm. Uh, I know I was talking to Eric. Eric was telling me that it was hot in Qatar. Okay. So talk about your experience about shooting this in, in Qatar. Okay. Okay. First of all, Paul, uh, I won't lie. I mean, I not. I don't want to use the word lie, but then this is what is coming to me. I won't lie to you. You'll but keep it one hundred, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so with me because I'm from India, and the parts where I have been brought up, where I was born, is almost as hot as this. Okay. Like Bihar, uh, where I was born, uh, it goes it goes near 50. Okay, New Delhi, the capital of India, uh, where I was raised and everything, it almost touches 47, 48 degrees Celsius. I'm talking about, which is Fahrenheit, the same thing. Okay, so uh, I, w- I was quite used to it, and also the interesting part is Paul, that because this was the first international project, and I was very excited and everything. So the moment I stepped in Qatar. For the first few months, I was taken by, I'm doing, I'm doing it, I'm working in this. So I didn't feel the heat at all. Yeah. And then, yeah, after three or four months, I started feeling it. So when it comes to your, your character, yes. um, does your character have any action and adventure? Or tell us about your character. Okay. Uh, did you say accent? Uh, any acting, I mean, action or adventure? Uh, oh, yes. Definitely. A lot of adventure. And action, maybe maybe we'll see it afterwards, not right now. But a couple of bits and pieces of action, that's it. But adventure, definitely. A lot of it. A lot of it. That sounds pretty cool. Pretty that cool. sounds pretty cool. Paul said that sounds pretty cool. And so when it comes to all the episodes that you've shot so far, even though we only see episode one, what's your favorite episode? Okay, that's a hard one because I haven't seen all the episodes, but I have read it. And but then right now, I, I right now the first one is best because I just saw it. Simple. So so talk about uh, some of the things that was w- was shot like in the first episode that didn't make the final cut. That didn't make the final thing. Yeah. I I yes yes I was when I was watching it there was one scene. Uh, where in the bus, you know, something happens, and I and I and I take a command of that scene, but somehow for some reason I don't know. I was just talking to my director Wayne. What happened there? Yeah, so that didn't make it. So so maybe that'd be like some outtakes or behind the scenes stuff. Right? Yes, yes, that has to be there. I'll ask I'll, I'll I'll ask them what what will happen to that scene. But yeah, I I really miss that scene. That was one of my favorite scenes. Yes. What did I tell you about him, Juan? I love that man. If you've been following me on on social media, make sure you check out my Instagram. Him, Juan, and I was at the Medina. It was kind of like their exclusive reveal. They had the actors there, a lot of other actors who were who were not involved in the series. Well, they were just showing their support. And him, Juan, is dancing. We're dancing to the Tussie Roll, Tussie Roll. Yeah, definitely check it out. If you want to connect with me on my Instagram, go to PaulAmadeusLane dot com, and you can. Find all my social media links there, and I would love to definitely connect with you and be on the watch for him on. And we wish all the guys over in the the Medina production and the show uh, all the success in the world, and we'll be talking to some more in future shows as well. All right. Well, it's time for us to take our next break, our final break. We are going to talk about some instant video streaming content and I'm not going 
going to let you know what show it is. I am going to make you stay tuned for the break. That's kind of like after the break. That's kind of like teasing, right? Sean is saying in my ear, no, I just don't know what it is. I, I really don't. But the control room is going to tell me. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. We're back right after this. Tech Zone, Paul Amadeus Lane. Be back. Well, this is our third and final segment of the Tech Zone. ABC News KMET. I am Paul Amadeus Lane. And if you missed any of the interviews, you can always catch up our video podcast or audio podcast, iTunes, iHeart, YouTube. The best way to do it is go to my website, paulamadeuslane.com, and you can connect with me on social media. You can check out the uh, the video podcast of the show and just interact with me. Let me know how you doing. Let me know how I can make your day even brighter. All right. Well, we're going to talk about some instant video streaming content. I kind of talked about it before the break. I wanted to tease this. Many of us are watching streaming content now. Many of us watch Netflix, Amazon Prime, Hulu, you name it. Well, maybe in your viewing, you have come to love this next character right here. I'm talking about Buddy Thunderstruck, the coolest semi-truck racing dog who lives down in the race-obsessed grease pit, a place full of larger-than-life characters, and uh, the nitro-burning, gear-slamming, tire-squealing, fish-telling times and an opportunity to catch up with the creators of this awesome this awesome show. I had an opportunity to talk to first the creator of Buddy Thunderstruck, Ryan Wiesbrock. Well, we uh, there's a series. Buddy Thunderstruck is a series on Netflix. It's a Netflix original. It's a stop motion series we did with Stupid Buddy Studios, who uh, are known for Robot Chicken uh, and, and many other awesome shows. And uh, we're here because... The series had launched in March of this year, and then just last week we did this uh, interactive episode with Netflix called the Maybe Pile, Buddy Thunderstruck, the Maybe Pile, and it's a it's a very new, innovative kind of uh, tech-driven thing uh, from Netflix where you stream uh, an episode, and it's like uh, I don't know if you remember those Choose Your Own Adventure books. Uh, it's like that where you come to different points in the story where you get to pick you know option A or option B, and you the person at home gets to decide what happens in the story. And talk about the technology behind that to even pull something like that off. Well, it's uh, it's all Netflix, and uh, what's cool is uh, when we do the series, it's with all the folks in LA. That's the normal content team, and then because this was a new innovation of theirs, it involved the the team in Los Gatos, which is all the tech and the programmers and all that. And it was completely new, so they had to invent a whole system to kind of work this into Netflix so that it works properly and streams without a hiccup and. And uh, they were awesome. And, and even though it had a lot of that behind-the-scenes tech, they really wanted it, uh, us as the creati- creators and the, and the animation team to make the best show we could. And then they wanted to help support that in their programming rather than the other way around. And talk about the fan interaction here because the fans are, were at your panel. Yeah. And uh, what was some of the feedback you guys gotten from the panel? 
Oh, it was great. Uh, it seems like uh, what was awesome is this, my favorite thing was to see the kids there. And there's some kids, and they were asking questions. Like, clearly, they, kn- they know the show. Uh, what's funny is <laughs> some of the character designs, which uh, I drew, and they're based some, like buddies based on my own dog. Uh, but a lot of the kids don't always know what the animals are. So it's, a, it's letting me know maybe I need to l- learn how to draw a little bit better. <laughs> but, uh, like, a, a, a kid asked what buddy was, what kind of animal. So I thought that was pretty cool. And, and talk about just the creativity of, of putting like something like this together. Because I'm looking at the... At the, at the characters right here, and they're, they're pretty sweet. They're pretty cool. It kind of reminds me of the, I'm, I'm dating myself, kind of the old Gumby days. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, except, you know, I'm a billion times better because <laughs> these guys are awesome. Uh, the Stupid Buddy Studios is, uh, they completely innovated how to make these guys come to life and how to build these puppets. And, uh, you know, I had a couple little doodles, but it really took the whole team um, coming together, you know, what's that structure inside the puppet that's going to work on camera and, and make these puppets come to life. And uh, they were really supportive of, they liked the look of the show and the, and the designs, and they did everything they could to make it really special and unique. And uh, it really takes a whole team to make something like this. And what was cool is uh, everybody involved at the studio really understood what we were trying to do and was able to put their own thing into it. And, you know, without, any, without that uh, sort of culmination of input, I don't think uh, the show would be as, as special and as unique as it is. And, and as you look back at season one, mm-hmm. what has been some of the highlights for you personally as you go back, maybe look at some of the, 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 the different episodes? What episode stands out to you the most? Uh, there's this one episode we did called Truck Cab in the Woods that was sort of like a, it's sort of an homage to the Evil Dead movies. Um, and uh, that was really crazy because the the lighting and the they, they made... Uh, uh, a buddy's truck the headlights actually lit up and it, they flared out in this cool way and uh, it was just a very ambitious episode and um, they just jumped right in and took it on and made it even better than I could have hoped that is awesome man we know um, all the fans we all want a season 2 oh yeah we'd love a season 2 what can we do to, to let Netflix know that we want that to happen so we can make that happen I think it's all just based on how it performs. And so uh, if people are watching, anytime they watch, that's they're doing their part. You know, it helps. There's, there's, there's some crazy secret computer at Netflix keeping track of all that stuff. And, uh, and also people, when, the, you know, I look on social media, I know a lot of our audience are kids who aren't on it, or they shouldn't be on it. Uh, but uh, if they are, even parents that like it when they're, tweeting it or they're mentioning it or they're going on facebook just showing any support lets other people know about it and that's that's really all anyone can do and uh spread the word and talk about how important uh streaming platforms like like netflix like like all these all these different uh ones that are out there now how important it is for for different uh producers creators uh so they can get their their shows out there and so the audience can you know can see really what they have and really support it yeah well, the cool thing about Netflix is because they're global, uh, Buddy Thunderstruck, the series and this new special episode, The Maybe Pile, uh, it goes up in, like, I forget how many countries they're in, 120 countries or maybe more, and uh, it was translated into 20 different languages, and that day one, that all goes up at the same time. So that's a, that's a tremendous reach, and, um, you know, back in the day, when you're, you know, tuning in your t- antenna to the local, you know, CBS station, that, that's, it's a little bit different than that. Um, and uh, that, the fact that that many people are watching it or have the possibility that they could watch it 
uh, is really exciting and, and kind of mind-bending. So, yeah. Now, are you a, a personal fan of binge-watching? Are you like like the traditional? I'm a, I'm a personal fan of binge-watching. I want to get it done in like 24 hours if I can, if I have the time. What about you personally? Yeah, I do. Like my, my wife, I'm always keeping her up and saying, let's, let's watch one more, let's watch one more. <laughs> yeah, I'm guilty of that. So, yeah, I love binge-watching. Awesome. So, uh, for ones out there who haven't watched the series yet, let them know why they should tune in, they should watch it, they should stream it. Why should they watch Buddy Thunderstruck? Well, they should watch because they should, they should want to see this little guy come to life. Uh, this guy is like a really super cocky but funny, lovable dog. It's like he's sort of like Burt Reynolds uh, in every movie Burt Reynolds has ever been in. And uh, he's super confident and uh, he's just hilarious. And these guys, made, uh, the animation studio, just really did crazy stuff with them that's really new and different. You know, we got to put, put a little Burt Reynolds stash on him. Yeah, right. cool, yeah right? that's what he's missing, yeah. <laughs> I thank Ryan for opening up to me and talking about the series. And <laughs> that was pretty cool. We had the little, little figurines down there, too. That was pretty awesome. Little Buddy and everything and all the other characters as well. Had an opportunity to talk to another creative mind behind uh, Buddy Thunderstruck, Eric Towner from Stupid Buddy studios i think i said that right eric i recently talked to to ryan about the comic-con experience and and he said it's wild it's enjoyable well, what about you how are you enjoying your con it's so mellow easy i've been bored the whole time no i'm just kidding it's yeah it's a wild ride every time uh there's so much to see so much to take in it's a little overwhelming if you're not careful i'm a little i'm a little tired but i'm hanging in there till the end I tell you about it. it's like it's like Disneyland like what you magnify by ten thousand percent right it's yeah at least ten thousand ironically I was actually at Disneyland right before Comic Con so day I come down to Comic Con which is Wednesday we're working with Disney and so we we got to go to the park you know for research and development and so it was uh, waking up at five Disneyland then Comic Con uh, so I guess I don't have a lot to complain about. <laughs> You know, talk about talk about the, the series and uh, what you guys have been uh, able to accomplish thus far. You know, as you look back to the beginning stages when you, when you guys were just, just thinking about this and yeah. to where it is today, uh, talk about just some of the uh, the the emotions that you go through. Oh man! So, buddy, buddy Thunderstruck is is something we had heard about from Ryan. So when we met Ryan, he pitched it to us. This is like six or seven years ago. And we instantly, after seeing his designs and just what the what the show is about, it was like all of the things that we also loved. And he wanted it to be a stop motion show, and that's you know that's kind of our bread and butter. And we just hadn't seen anything like it in stop motion. But it, you know, even just the designs, like the designs of Buddy, it lends itself so perfectly to these these really cute characters that you know that can have real textures. Uh, you know, like felt for fur and all of that stuff. So we, as soon as we heard the idea, we fell in love with it and, you know, cut to, you know, six or seven years later and, and Netflix picks it up and we get to make it. So, yeah, the emotions have been uh, excitement, you know, a lot of passion behind this project. And, uh, yeah, we love how it turned out. Awesome. And uh, what's been the uh, the reason behind being here at Comic-Con? Uh, did you guys want to tell them about a new feature that's launching on Netflix so that all the fans can get involved? Yeah, I mean, so with Stupid Buddy Studios, we've always got a, a couple things going on at Comic-Con. Uh, we had a, a Buddy Thunderstruck panel yesterday, which was the first Buddy Thunderstruck panel that we've done. So, like, getting to meet fans was 
was really amazing. And then we've always got some uh, some robot chicken stuff down here and a bunch of other stuff. But uh, yeah, the the big thing that just came out last week was the the interactive episode the, called the Maybe Pile. Buddy Thunderstruck, the Maybe Pile. Check it out on Netflix. Um, but yeah, that's been that's just been really exciting to get out there because it's one of the the first of its kind. You know, kind of throwback to your you know your choose your own adventure style book. And you know, so you have all of this great new technology uh, from Netflix, like programming and how that will actually work. And you know, you kind of combine that with stop motion, which is one of the oldest forms of animation out there. And so there's this kind of cool juxtaposition of old meets new. And, and talk about uh, to pull something uh, like that off. We know Netflix had to be behind it with all the technical aspects behind it. Yeah. And who approached who uh, about about doing something like that? You know, we got into to writing the show, and it, it is a show. It's kind of like a throwback to old Saturday morning cartoons, right? Like, get your get your bowl of Fruit Loops and watch some Buddy Thunderstruck. Um, and so when we were early on the writing process, you know, Netflix uh, approached us and, and Ryan about, hey, would you guys be interested in maybe doing an episode that's interactive? And we're like, are you kidding? Yeah, of course. Like, let us play in that world. Let's, like, try to figure that one out together. And because there's a... A new process in the writing. There was a lot of, a lot of brainstorming, like back and forth, how to actually pull this off and do it in a way that felt genuine to the show. So it felt like it fit the world of Buddy Thunderstruck and wasn't this, you know, this kind of out there, different sort of experience. So, uh, the, yeah, the way it turned out feels like it's true to the voice of the show and the characters and you know this whole new new angle with storytelling, which is really cool. You know, because I think all of us when we were growing up wish we could have like an alternate ending on some of our favorite cartoons. I remember back when it, I think it was I was watching G-Force and I was like, you know, how come this Roll Beast couldn't defeat Voltron this episode? <laughs> and let's see what happens after that. But I'm glad that we're doing that now because it, it really helps us to stay engaged. And also, you know, we, we're starting to see where, where viewing is going. Yeah, and now you can. Now you can control how it turns out. So with, with our episode, there's, uh, I believe there's four different endings that you could you could have. And if you sort of don't like the way one turned out, you maybe want to go back and do it again and make a different decision. So now you've got the power to do it. It kind of reminds me of gaming, you know, when you save it at a, at a particular spot. Yeah. And then if you die, you can go back and, yeah. and respawn. Yeah, definitely. So what's been the, the feedback of, of ones who've um, been able to, you know, to pick their alternate endings? Have you got any feedback from some of the fans? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's so brand new that, that we're, we're just hearing things, you know, through the social media, but it sounds like people are like, what is this thing? This is great. you know, and so I think people are really embracing it so far, but I'm, I'm really curious to, to see where it grows and, and if it's something that people enjoy, cause it kind of would create this whole other genre of, of storytelling and, you know, being able to do that is, is pretty cool, but so far so good. You know, I'm glad you brought up social media. Because now we are in the technological age where we can get instant reaction to everything. I, I've had that personally myself. We've done a show. Somebody for said, or worse, right? for better or for worse. <laughs> and and how do you how do you balance the the criticism and the feedback um, so that you can say, okay, we may want to implement this, we may not want to implement that. Take us through that process of just trying to remain balanced. Well, you know, I think you got to develop a little bit of a thick skin. Take everything with a a grain of salt, right? Like you, you, we're making a show that we hope will appeal to a mass audience, uh, but you can't, you know, you can't please everybody all the time, uh, and and there is no filter, right, on social media. Like people kind of 
you know, say a lot of things they might not say to you personally. And so you don't take anything personally. You just take it as, okay, this is honest feedback and there's something to learn from a lot of it. And some of it, you know, you just let it slide off, slide off your shoulder. But fortunately, a lot of the feedback we've gotten so far on uh, Buddy Tenshrick has been overwhelmingly positive. So that's encouraging more than anything. Now, who's a bigger character, Robot Chicken or our Buddy? I mean, it's got to be Buddy Thunderstruck, right? He's a celebrity. I mean, look at him. Like, how could you not? I mean, he's he's building a fan base. Robot Chicken maybe has a little bit more of one right now. But, yeah, there's, there's enough room in this world for both of them. You know, I'm thinking everybody has an uncle kind of like Buddy Thunderstruck. You know what I mean? <laughs> cool and just, you know, yeah. got it going on, right? That's right. I'd, I don't think I have that uncle, but... I mean, Uncle Tim. Yeah, you're my you're my buddy, Thunderstruck. Hey, but, but before we let you go, a couple more questions. Uh, one, we want to get that season two. So, what what can we as fans do, you know, to to make that happen? I think you know, watching the show and and sharing it, you know, with through social media or just with your friends if you like it, uh, recommending it to people to check it out uh, because there's a, there are a lot of shows out there, and that that would be the big thing to help us get to that season two would be. Just people watching it, hopefully enjoying it, and encouraging other people to watch it too. And you know, Netflix got the the mega robot that makes the decisions on on how shows are doing. So all of that would would only help. Once again, a huge shout out to Ryan and Eric for opening up to us about Buddy Thunderstruck. Go ahead and support the show. Watch it on Netflix. Let me know what you think about it. Tweet me, Facebook me, Instagram me. Just don't call me late for dinner because you know a brother got to eat. <laughs> All right, well, that's the end of our show today. If you miss any of the episodes, you can always catch up on demand. Go to paulamadeuslane.com or go to the website at ABC News KMET. Check it out. We love to hear from you. Until next time, friends, take care of yourself. 